Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And this is our 99th official episode We're about nine or 10 games into the NBA season at the time of this episode recording. So we just want to take a look around the league, uh, see what's surprising, what trends we're seeing, if this is sustainable. Um, We're going to talk about players, um, then more league-wide trends, and then teams. Let's start off with players. Who surprised you most this year in a good way or in a bad way? Let me start it off uh, with with my New York Nick and Duke, uh, I don't know, He's got a soft spot for those two reasons, R.J. Barrett. Um, one thing I said coming into the season, and this is where I'll start, is that I wanted to keep an eye on what he was going to shoot basically at the rim because that was one critique I guess he got, he got a lot last year is for a guy that was known as such a great finisher coming into the league who has the all the tools and in, in like uh, athleticism to be one of the best finishers around the rim from a guard position in the league. Why was R.J. Barrett shooting? I think it was like 55% within the restricted area on field goals. This year, he's brought up to 71%. So to start it off, if you're looking for reasons why RJ Barrett is better, even though, I mean, and people are talking about him that way, even though the stats won't necessarily jump off the page overall this season, um, that's one of them. But I would like to say also, and I think the Knicks' last three games, maybe it was, maybe not their most recent now, but then the previous three before that, he won a stretch where he averaged 27 points per game. No, yeah, still... Even last night, he averaged like, or he he put up like twenty three or twenty four in a loss. Mm-hmm. Like for the past five games, he's fully been our favorite. He's fully been our best player. Agreed. And again, one of the moments that stands out is um, the game against the Pelicans that we had. He he closed it out for us, even though there was no Brandon Ingram and no Zion. Probably shouldn't have even been a close game in the first place. He closed it out for us with back to back dagger three pointers, pull up off the pick and roll. If we have an RJ Barrett, and this is this is we being the Knicks, um, that's able to finish at the rim at close to seventy five percent, which, like for comparison, is like Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley level, whereas like Tyler Hero is like fifty percent. And these are just guys I'm saying because like everybody's know knows them and is talking about them right now. So like like those are those are like six ten seven foot guys compared to like you know uh, like a six five guard or whatever, right? So so RJ Barrett's like six 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 seven for a guy who's that height. To be finishing the room at seventy five, at, at like seventy one percent so far this year is really really strong, um, and he can also hit pull up threes. We'll see if the mid range really like comes along so much this season. But the other thing I wanted to mention, and this is perhaps the most important part of it, where he's improved the most between last season and this season, is his defense. Um, R.J. Barrett has been freaking clamping so far so far this season. Um, and once again, like if you go on Basketball Reference and you're like. Oh, he averaged, uh, I'm not sure what it was, probably like 16 or something last season. And this year it's 19 so far. That doesn't look like a huge jump, but especially with this last stretch and then his defense, I mean, he, he's, he has a real chance to be like all NBA, all, all defensive team caliber defender. Uh, if not this year, then in the next, then like next year, like he's already made that leap to be one of the better defenders and perimeter defenders in the league. 
Yeah, it, it manifests mostly on ball, uh, specifically mm-hmm. in the game against the Bulls where the Knicks won. Uh, they, RJ Barrett clamped up DeMar DeRozan uh, in, in the final minutes to prevent it from going to overtime. Um, and DeMar has been, you know, like one of the, like the better players in the league this year. Um, but also like he, he's been in the passing lanes too for, for a lot of it. It's, it's a team defense. It's not just, there are some guys in the league who are great defenders, but they're primarily just, you can, you can put them on someone and they'll shut them down. RJ's also done a, a good job of like understanding the defense and rotating and helping out as well. Um, and even, even though the Knicks, um, on the whole, like last year, they were a, a top five defense this year, they're probably only like hovering around like 15 ish, um, but the reason that they're that high is because of RJ Barrett and to a lesser extent, you know, like Mitchell Robinson, um, hopefully, hopefully Nerlens Noel coming back will help that. I was about to say that. Yeah. But, but you know, RJ Barrett, shout out to him. He's been, he's been amazing. Um, another player I want to talk about um, is, is Ja Morant because, oh my yeah. God, like every, we knew this was coming. We talked about it before the, in our last episode. Yeah. But yeah. Like off, off mic. Every night I'm sending to the group chat John Morant highlights with some mm-hmm. uh, with some uh, words of affection to put to put it mildly. <laughs> um, I feel like I, I've when he, once he got drafted to the league, I uh, you know I, I bought his jersey, his shirt jersey, and I just like man, I like we were just talking about the third pick in in I believe the 2019 draft uh, in RJ Barrett, dude second pick John Morant dude like he this this dude is he's putting up like 27 easy like every game it's like oh like you know Jaws like averaging like he's gonna put up minimum 25 tonight which like if you just asked someone a month ago if, if that was gonna be the case most people would say like oh best case scenario John Morant averages like 24 25 and wins most improved which is he's gonna do that I, I still think it might be even more than that but mm. John Morant has been shredding defenses there hasn't been anyone who can stay in front of him. Like, and when they bring doubles to trap off of the pick and roll, he just he's been splitting defense really effectively. He like throws the ball through, um, through the split. And honestly, like there there is no one in the NBA who's staying in front of John Morant right now. If you in terms of points per game and in terms of like efficiency in the paint, like it's it goes like like in terms of like in the paint, it's like Giannis, like like a like a bunch of like big guys, and then John Morant. <laughs> who's like yeah, you know, I, six three and like according to clean the glass grizzlies are seventh in points per 100 possessions right now like that's all that's all jaw like they've they <laughs> they they traded jonas valanciunas hoping i think that jaron jackson was going to come in and take some more shots this year he's been off to a rocky start dylan brooks is injured right so like shout out yeah, to they're, like they're not desmond, a great team Z- desmond bain and whatever but like yeah, desmond bain's been all jaw moran on offense so far like yeah. he's he's carrying them to legitimately being one of the better offenses in in the nba like by himself um we, like i said like we knew this one was coming it's like probably not that much of a surprise but john moran is seriously on his way to being like one of the two best point guards in the league you know what i mean like it, yeah. it's like he's he's putting himself in a tier um in a tier higher than I think that that anybody considered him to be like last year or the year before, which is really, really, it's been really, really fun to watch. Uh, and, and and the Grizzlies along with like the Hornets are a couple of the more exciting teams just based off of like that one player, right? For the, for the Hornets, it's Lamella Ball and Miles Bridges too. But for, but for the, for the Grizzlies, just straight up John Moran action. Let's talk about Miles Bridges though for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, another most improved candidate. And I think he was on people's radars, but I don't think people expected him to 
have his own like shot creation. He was people expected him to, you know, catch a bunch of lobs from from Lamella Ball, uh, cut to the rim, get set up, and you know, like be really effective there. Average like fifteen points per game. But there have been two or three games this year where Miles Bridges has, has put up over twenty five. Last night against the Golden State Warriors, he put up thirty two points. Uh, on you know like a, a solid Warriors defense, I and mean, he's averaging twenty four and was averaging like twenty six yeah. through the first like five games or something like that. So it's more yeah. than a couple, I'm pretty sure. Um, and and, and he's, box scores, but yeah, and that's coming like off of the dribble. Like he catches the ball mm-hmm. on the wing and he just goes to work. Which honestly, I didn't I didn't know he had that in his bag, and I don't think a lot of other people did. Um, so not not even the point totals is imp- is impressive to me, but the way he's doing it and is creating for himself, like that seems pretty sustainable to me. Uh, yeah, I, I come into the season was, I know some people have been talking about is Miles Bridges in the running if he goes from averaging like 12, 30 points per game last year to averaging closer to 20. And I guess I, I was like, okay, I guess it's a possibility. But like, he was not even a starter for most of last season. Um, he only started 19 games last year. And so for him to come in and be a lot more than just like fast paced uh, transition threat lobs with, with, uh, with Lamella Ball for him to be basically triple threat um, is, is the, is the like, like what you would describe, I would summarize as triple threat. I think he's, he's a danger to catch and shoot at, at a near 40% three point shooter. Um, and you don't want him taking it off the dribble at you because he ends lives at the rim. He, he, uh, <laughs> he, he will make you go viral for the wrong reasons. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he's, he's been, he's been really exciting to watch in that like you said, like he's, he's become a legit shot creator for himself. Not just that guy that has good chemistry with Lamella ball on the pick and roll. Um, so that's, that's huge for a Hornets team that um, is making a case to be, you know, like an actual, an actual like threat in, in the East, not so much like a, just like we're rebuilding and, and young and, and who knows what's up now, Connor, because, mm-hmm. because I love you, I'm going to take yeah. a step back here and I'm just going <laughs> to say a name and I'm just yeah. gonna let you. I already you know, know what it is gonna be too. Yep. OG Ananobi. Go ahead. Oh, I mean, I, so hopefully, hopefully, we have some longtime listeners that have been that have been uh, listening to my most improved player predictions for a few years now. But but if you if you haven't, um, I've picked uh, OG Ananobi to be not necessarily the winner of the most improved player award, but in the conversation for like three straight years. And I threw him out there again in our episode this year, and this might be the closest I've been yet. Um, not, not necessarily. I don't know. I don't know that he'll be an all star, but especially when we were putting these notes together for the uh, for the episode, uh, OG had just dropped thirty six on the Knicks, um, and so I'm freaking out because I, I mean, while I'm upset, if anybody's going to drop thirty six on the Knicks, I would love for it to be OG and Anobi. Um, I've I've been saying this for a minute, but like with Kawhi gone, um, and now with Kyle Lowry gone, uh, with Pascal Siakam out. There was an there was an opening in the Raptors, especially on offense, to like somebody's gonna have to take more shots, somebody's gonna step up. And it's a shout out to Scotty Barnes, obviously, who I think has exceeded almost everybody's expectations so far in in probably being between him and Evan Mobley the most exciting rookie. So uh, like, you know, however many games in, eight games in or whatever. Um, but the other guy who's been taking on a much larger offensive role is OG Ananobi. Um, averaging 20. Um, he's a legit Three, like catch and shoot three point guy, but also same thing we said with Miles Bridges can take it off the dribble, can pass, can do a little bit of everything on offense, jack of all trades type, and is still a like a a, a great great uh, defender. Um, I think that's like 
you know, the, I don't think that I don't think the Raptors and especially OG Ananobi get that much buzz. And they're a bit of a quieter team, and he's a quieter player. But he's a he's a legit a legit defender. Um, maybe not excellent at any one thing, but is kind of good at everything. The kind of player that everybody everybody wants to have in their team. So I'm not sure he's going to get the same buzz for most improved player that Miles Bridges and, and John Morant are. But seriously, a guy that gets better every single season. So I wanted to shout him out as we were talking about surprisingly good players. Yeah, it, it's been incremental in the past mm-hmm. three years. Like mm-hmm. he won't go, he won't go from zero to a hundred, like a lot of the most improved candidates, but he'll, he'll go from zero to 50, which is a huge jump. And then 50 to a hundred and a hundred, 150. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is very impressive. I remember like our first year, like three years ago when we were doing most improved, it's like, Hey, OG and Anobi averaged like five points per game last year. And look where he is right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Three years later. So like, that's very impressive. Shout out to OG. Uh, another name I want to talk about. Um, is Cole Anthony. Um, Cole Anthony is averaging like 19 a game right now. Um, You know, like a lot of that has to do with just volume in terms of like who else on the Orlando Magic is taking shots. Like Terrence Ross for the for the magic drop like 35 and then all of a sudden the magic were like, all right, we're we're benching you and gonna trade you at the deadline. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Um so there is there is a vacuum there for you know someone like Cole Anthony who's entire game is is fit for this type of situation uh to just come in and just like jack up shots but you know i i take i take pride in my fellow like new york catholic high school uh hooper uh to go out there on the nba stage and just like show out which is which is being like you know like that's that's talent like like there is a certain level in the nba like there's a certain level of shot making that certain people have and they don't have. And Cole Anthony does have it. I think he has to get a little more comfortable in terms of a lot of times he picks up his dribble too early, um, especially in pick and roll situations. But if he stays a little bit more patient, which I think just comes with, you know, experience, then I think he can become a better decision maker and like maybe a long-term solution for the point guard. Cause the Orlando magic have not had a good point guard in like a decade. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and now is the, like, you you phrased it well with like like he's got a lot of opportunity right now like the Orlando Magic either have it's a combination of them having like no vets and their young guys are injured like Jonathan Isaac's out Marco Fultz is out um so you know guys like him him and Franz Wagner or Wagner are getting a lot of run right now he's been great. I love that Cole Anthony's taking advantage one thing that's big is like he's shown flashes of being a very strong shot creator but now he's doing it a lot more efficiently than last year. I guess like I don't I don't I don't think there's it's worth spending much more time on Cole Anthony, but but another guy who's like quote unquote making a leap, and that's kind of expected in the second year. But um, again, he's played the Knicks, so like it's the kind of thing that I notice. Let's let's th- let's throw it over to Tyler Hero. Not I don't know I don't I don't know that either of us are. I, I think both of us are salty about Tyler Hero just because the media posts him so much. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that is a trend, like. The media selects certain people even before the year starts. Like in preseason, we were getting like hella Tyler Hero highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, I said this on the last podcast episode, so go watch that. Where uh, like the NBA or the ESPN posted like, check out these highlights from like these preseason highlights from your favorite stars, and it was like LeBron, Giannis, Curry, and then they threw Lamelo in there because of course they did, and then Tyler Hero. I'm like, bro, like. Like you're you're just telling us what to like, which is you know kind of annoying. But Tyler Hero, mm-hmm. to his credit, 
making us look a little bad in terms of he's he's out here, you know, just dropping like 20 something points per game, uh, the most ever by a bench player through the first like eight or so games. Um, so really impressive. And, you know, like I'm not trying to hate on the dude. You know, I hope he continues it. Um, I don't think he'll, you know, average like 20 a game per se, but I think like right now he's the front runner for six man of the year. So that'd be great for him. And also this Miami heat team, which we'll talk about later, just has so many weapons. Um, it's kind of unfair, but you know, good for Tyler hero. He's been doing a a great job. Yeah. And it's interesting that people are calling it such a, a bounce back season for him. Um, because actually his season last year was better than his rookie season, according to the according to the numbers. And his rookie season, of course, was the bubble. So it's strange that like people considered last year to be a down year for him, even though his point totals yeah. went up. Like like the average like if you if you're the average fan and you just look up like points per game on basketball reference, like he did improve. It was just a, a dip down from the bubble. Um I mean, I also think the bubble was an impossibly high standard to hold him to. So now this year he's made the kind of jump you would hope that a th- like you know a lottery pick third year player would, right? Like like when you're when you're drafting a guy end of the lottery and you're like picturing best possible outcome, you're like, okay, by like his third year, he's gonna all of a sudden like like when you're drafting Tyler Hero, you're like, oh, he's gonna be a legit score, right? Like this is it has panned out excellently for the for the Heat. Um, and so I, I guess like what I'm saying is more than anything, like Tyler hero is on track on pace and playing really well. And so for the, for us to like phrase it as this like bounce back year, like most improved year is a little bit strange. Cause I think that's just us remembering that he had a six stretch for the heat in the playoffs. That was um, not really replicable for last regular season, but now he's caught up to those expectations in his third year. Just an interesting case, I guess, overall. I also want to shout yeah. out uh, Robert Williams quick. Um, he's only started 13 games. He only started 13 games last year and has only played 113 games in his career before this. I think this is his like fourth season, maybe third. Um, so he'd been great basically in limited minutes, but just like now he's become the like full-time starter for the Celtics, especially before Al, Al Horford was in the lineup. So he's playing well. We knew this was this was uh, this was this was possible and or even likely, um, but just like definitely another guy who's like taking advantage of of the opportunity the same way we said with Cole Anthony, um, just like numbers up across the board basically. But yeah, I thought that was worth mentioning. Um, I th- I think we should transition to our second segment, which is just kind of analyzing trends around the league. There have been a lot of people around the NBA who have been in full on slumps for the first like nine games of the year. Just people not only averaging less points per game, but having significantly worse efficiency from the field and from the three point line. A couple names that come to mind. James Harden is averaging six less points per game on worse field goal percentage. Damian Lillard's averaging 10 worse points per game on like really poor efficiency for him. Um, A 10%. that the stat was, I don't, I think it was, I saw this yesterday that, that Damian Lillard could make, could go 40 for 40 on his next 43 point attempts and would still be shooting under 50% from three on the season. I think Dude, he's. No, 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 no. I, I actually hate those stats because that sounds a lot worse than what it is. Because keep in mind that. Small samples that. No, 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 no. Because keep in mind, they, they say 40 for 40 in order to get back to his normal shooting. But during yeah. his normal shooting, he's he's making 40% of shots. So in reality, like by him being 40 for 40, 
that's only at, that's only putting up 60% more uh, three-pointers than he normally would, if that makes that's sense. That's a lot, though. That's a lot. Because realistically, it, it's saying that, like, even if he started shooting at his normal percentage now for the rest of the season, like, like, like now, it would take him a long time to catch up to where he usually is. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just phrasing that he's really far behind. He's, like, 18 for 77 on three so far this year or something like that. It's, like, 24% terrible um and like I, i'm and not saying so that i just think i just think i just think stats of like oh where he catches yeah. up I, I just find that stupid I I, I I actually think that's telling i think that's telling but so that's like maybe a slight disagreement i think i think that's like i think it's an interesting stat even though you're right that it's like it's just meant it's just meant to make him look bad look bad but i do think that's actually worth worth mentioning but keep going with the trend because i think you're on to something um yeah so uh dame 10 less points per game on 10 percent less from the field and like 16% less from three. And I'll put uh, for the YouTube, I'll, I'll put it on the screen as well. Uh, Luca averaging five points per game less on worst shooting from the, from the three. Um, Trey Young averaging similar numbers, but worse from three point range. Jason Tatum, similar numbers, but worse from the field in three point range. Even Bradley Beal is averaging seven less points per game on significantly worse efficiency. And yet the Wizards are still good, which is interesting. Um, and then Joel Embiid averaging you know, like worse from the field on like eight points per game less. Devin Booker, three points per game less on on worst field, worst field goal percentage and worst three point percentage. And then same things with Donovan Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox. Shout out, shout out that Instagram one. account because that's all one post, right? Yeah, this is all one post. Uh, but it's at buckets on Instagram. Uh, again, I'll I'll put the the screenshots on the screen for YouTube. Yeah, I mean, and and I think that. Um... There's a there's a multitude of reasons for this because this is this is clearly a, a trend that's going on for a chunk of the superstars around the league that we uh we wouldn't expect to all be going through slumps still like eight games in the season. Um, I, I saw few, really quick. I saw a stat to encapsulate this that yeah this is the NBA's worst field goal percentage mm-hmm. through I don't know like the first ten games since 2003. Yeah, it's it's been really bad. Um, reasons for that, I think are one shortened off season. Um, you know, it, it, the, the, the time that players usually spend preparing for the off season, getting their bodies right was obviously cut short this year because we're still adjusting back to the normal schedule from uh, all these like strange COVID regulations and like shifting around the schedule. Uh, last year, I don't think the season started till December. Um, so for us to be, have started back up in October already, um, you know, cuts, cuts basically cuts two, two months off the off season. So just like, that's one thing. Um, another, Paul George talked about um, the the change of of balls in the um, in, a, in, a, in a recent post game interview. Um, I think they shifted from Spalding to Wilson, and he said they yeah. were like less soft or something like that. Didn't like the grip as much. Um, keep in mind, Paul Paul George is actually like second in the like like second in scoring right now or something like that. So he, yeah, he's been he great. He doesn't have any reason to be complaining about the ball because he's been he's been playing his butt off but like but but he's bringing it up for i think sort of in defense of some of these other guys is that there's definitely a difference in in the ball they've been using um do you have any other reasons you can think of honestly like i don't know like i think like in particular like maybe james harden or damian lillard are still recovering from injuries that they had in 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 the uh like last year, James Harden's quad was in shambles and Damian Lillard kind of injured himself uh, through the during the Olympics. So maybe that's still lingering for them in particular. But outside of that, like I don't really know. I I, I 
believe that it would that it will go away. I don't know once once players maybe get a little bit more in shape or used to the new basketball or whatever. Um, like I'm not one of those dudes out here saying any of these dudes are you know washed, even worse, yeah. not not even washed, but like literally just any worse basketball players than they were last year. But I think it's just a matter of time before we before we fix that. I think another reason for for all this could be the changes to the foul rules, especially for guys like Trey Young and, and James Harden that we know are notorious for for drawing fouls with like the, the hooking underneath another guy's arm, um, throwing their bodies backwards into people. These non-basketball moves, rule changes, have led to decreases in free throws kind of across the board. Um, so I would expect that like for some of these guys, um, I mean, obviously it's not going to affect their three-point percentage, but it changes the way that defenders are able to guard them if if they're not uh, if they're not able to to draw fouls in certain ways. Maybe they're less of a threat attacking the basket, which means guys can be more aggressive out in the three point line. And this is all sort of extrapolating and, and potentially overreacting to what could just be um, like for the other reasons that we mentioned: shortened off season, change of balls, and maybe just these guys happen to be in a slump also all at the same time. Um, and that's really more of those things than the than the foul rules. But I agree with you that that overall, these are some of the best players in the NBA. They're going to adjust. Things are going to eventually level out, even out. Um, and I wouldn't expect that that this like record low shooting since two thousand three that you mentioned is going to continue itself, even if it's down from last year slightly. I want to talk about Carl Anthony Towns because about like two hours before we hit record, Carl Anthony Towns. Twitter account liked a mm-hmm. tweet that said hashtag free cat. And then Carlton Towns, after he saw that people saw him allegedly do it, uh, said, I just changed my password. So we're solid on here. I got hacked. And so my reaction was like, yeah, you know, if, if I was going to, if I was going to hack an NBA superstars account, I, uh, I would like a mildly controversial tweet and do nothing else. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, I, I, it's whatever. I, I it's strange. I, I, I like. I find. I, I find these things hilarious because it's. It could have even. It could have even been an accidental like, and he just like had happened to have been scrolling through no, like yeah, hashtag that or whatever. But that like that like totally could also be the yeah. case. But just the whole hacking BS is just hilarious. Or I'll just I'll just drop the name Jamal Murray with that too. Um, that was that was a couple of seasons ago at this point, but yeah. Um, Dude, honestly, I forgot what that was even referring to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was uh, that was an interesting moment in NBA social media. Um, the the one thing I'll I don't think it's worth spending a ton of time on on this because like more reports are going to inevitably come out about how how true this is. Um, but Carl Anthony Towns is third on the Timberwolves in field goal attempts right now. No way! Absolutely unacceptable. Um, that's I don't know that so that's, not okay. At least that was the case a couple of days ago. I heard Zach Lowe say that on his podcast, but uh, behind Anthony Edward, Edwards, and he was basically tied with D'Angelo Russell, but he was technically third. Um, that's that, so unacceptable. That, that, that can't fly. That can't Dude, fly. Long story short, he's literally so good. Like I, yeah, I've been the biggest yeah. Carl Anthony Town supporter. I've been the biggest Cat Truther. So for the past two years, I have no idea why. It, it just comes from that one argument we had about him versus Jokic <laughs> yeah. back in the day. Uh-huh. And just since then, I've been like the biggest like, hey, people sleep on the fact that Cat is like easily a top 20 player and has been for the past three years. Uh, and, you know, it's like one of the most gifted big men we have in this league. 
like effective like just effective like, field goal percentage is sixty percent. Like there's no reason you don't feed a guy with a sixty percent effective field goal percentage. Yeah, who's averaging twenty four or more. Like it's just such, it seems like such an obvious answer. I'm gonna I'm gonna Dude, check. Honestly, free cat, um, bro. Free, free cat. Like I I enjoy this Timberwolves team because Anthony Edwards and D'Lo are fun with Cat. But if they're not winning, then then screw it. Honestly, like just get Cat to a good team. You know, yeah. it's, it's hard for a big man to be like the best player on a team these days. So, you know, you can pair him with a guard if you want to. Or just like, you know, maybe the Timberwolves are just a bad organization because they just okay. made one playoff appearance. So, um, Cat's taking 16.6 shots, field goal attempts per game. D'Angelo Russell's down to 15.3, but Anthony Edwards is at 21.7. So, oh my gosh. That's like almost almost six more or it's, it's five more um, than, than cats taking. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of a believer in Anthony Edwards. Uh, I also think like no reason you should be taking five more shots per game than, than Colonel Anthony Towns. Um, that's just poor, poor coaching. Just like not getting, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 oh, I, 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 it's not like I've been watching a ton of Timberwolves, but like, just at face value, you've just got to get him more shots or he's getting more aggressive or something. By the way, Anthony Edwards, you said Cat had like around a 60% effective field goal percentage. Yeah. Anthony Edwards is is like 49. Yep. Which is which is actually not good. Yep. So um, and, yeah. and part of that comes from Cat's shooting like 48% from threes over the season. So uh, <laughs> contrary to the shooting slumps that we were talking about, like Get that man some damn shots. Feed Come him. On. Feed feed Come him on. or free him, bro. Exactly. One, exactly. One, one or the two. So that's um, I, I, I I sort of titled this in our notes like like this broader section, like you good. Like <laughs> yeah, like the like the guy like for the for the guys who like are, are just like down shooting for Carly Towns who like that free cat tweet. Uh continuing off that, the the you good. There's a couple other guys who we didn't who we didn't mention as like uh, th- these are some these are some younger guys. I like Cade Cunningham, bro. Through through two okay. games, I know no, I know you I, don't want to overreact, and I'm not going to overreact either. But it's just, it's notable, but I think yeah. it's meaningless. I yep. think it's I, it's notable, but it's meaningless. I, I agree. Lamelo Ball, his debut last year, he he scored zero. Yeah, yeah. Um, the we you, you mentioned Luka Doncic already. I also wanted to say Kristaps Porzingis. Um, maybe this is like adjustment to Jason Kidd offense. Jason Kidd, as he was coming in, had talked about how he wanted to get Kristaps more like involved back, like as in like back in his Knicks days, like attacking the basket, being more aggressive instead of just being like catch and shoot out in the perimeter. Um, as a seven foot three guy, like like he wanted to get him some more post up looks. Generally, an idea I support. Um, I have very fond memories of, of Porzingis in the Knicks and was pissed that we traded him, and and still like confused as to what happened to that to that player um luca is also shooting down uh, shooting a down percentage but they said during the broadcast the other night for that game which i thought was really interesting um that despite his his down shooting numbers luca Doncic in fourth quarters last season shot around 28 percent from three and this season is up to 40 percent from three in the fourth quarter so even though i think he's shooting like 25 percent from three this season so far he, in the fourth quarter he's shooting really well um, from three, and they basically were saying that that that's part of Jason Kidd's methodology is that he's trying to get Luka Doncic to take a little bit more of a backseat role throughout the first half. Um, so, so he's that, less tired, exactly. So in the fourth yeah. quarter, he can he can really take over because 
basically saying you like trust your teammates to do a little bit more and don't try to do absolutely everything by yourself um, through the entire game because that's just not sustainable. Um, as as tempting as I'm sure it is for Luka Doncic, just try to take over every second because honestly, the Mavericks need him to. I do think that it's it's an interesting approach by Jason Kidd to be like save a little bit in the tank. Um, it does highlight though that the Mavericks just don't have enough shot creation and offense outside of Luka Doncic. When Tim Hardaway's having a good night or Jalen Brunson's having a good night, it helps, but it's still just not enough because Kristaps Porzingis is not the second option they had hoped he would be. I think they should trade for Buddy Heald, not only just for the pure shooting, but also because I think Buddy Heald also has a little bit more in the tank than what he's displaying in Sacramento in terms of, you know, shot creation. It, not, not not saying he's going to be some slasher, but I think he can, you know, have a little bit more of Tim Hardaway Jr. in him you, than he's showing. To, to be clear, uh, do you mean trading Porzingis for, for Buddy no. Heald? No, I, I don't think the asking price for... For Buddy Heald's that high. I don't know what else you trade if you're the Mavericks. I agree. I agree in theory. I think there's a few guys on the on the on the Kings that are available, like namely Marvin Bagley and Buddy Heald. Um I also want to mention in this like you good thing, like Marvin Bagley's just played like 10 total minutes so far this season in one game. Crazy. Um out of the rotation. And his manage his management rightly was pissed about that because they they said like there have been trade options for for Marvin Bagley like out there on the table, and I understand not wanting to trade a guy that you spent a second overall pick on for, you know, not that kind of like that kind of pick's value. Um, but if you're just going to let him rot on your bench, if you're taking him out of the rotation completely, it's time to let him go. But okay, so if I think that, the, that if you're the Kings, you're shopping Marvin Bagley, you're shopping Buddy Heald. I think. They would want poor, poor. If I don't know who the who the Mavericks give up for those for that kind of package, other than Porzingis, um, and Porzingis's value around the league right now, I would guess is also a lot lower than Mavericks fans would would hope it would be, or that us as Knicks fans would fondly like remember it to be. You know what I mean? So maybe maybe yeah. the, maybe the maybe it ends up being. Buddy healed Marvin Bagley in a, in a pick or something like that, but but I would think that Porzingis is the only guy you can you would trade you'd be able to trade to get uh, Buddy healed in return. But honestly, at this point, I think that that's because Porzingis isn't even bringing great value on the defensive end, even though I think he has a ton of defensive potential, which is surprising. Yeah, so I, I like, saw a post. I saw a post the other day, and it was like ten teams and their biggest regret over the past five years. Yep, I saw it was too, like yeah. blah blah blah. So and then for the Dallas Mavericks article. for the Dallas Mavericks, it was trading for Chris Stats Porzingis. That made me so happy as a Knicks fan. Well so I was like, yeah, because also- during during it, everyone was saying we got fleeced, including myself. But everyone was saying we got fleeced. We and we did. I still think we did. I I'm knows, still mad. I'm still mad that we made that trade because I want to know the what if is if if he had stayed in New York. Um, greater what if is like, what if we just never hired Phil Jackson to be a GM? I get that he's the greatest coach of all time. He was not fit to be to be a, uh, a, a GM, clearly. Um, how did he yeah. sour, manage to sour the relationship with, with Christos Porzingis? I don't know. That's a whole, that's a whole other tangent. But that's, it's a can that's an interesting thing to keep, your, to keep our eyes on with the coaching stuff is like, is Marvin Bagley ever going to crack the rotation, Luke Walton's rotation? And, um, and is Jason Kidd going to be able to figure out Porzingis and, and Luca, and like like, and how much is he going to change the Mavericks' offense? Two two key things, um, I think, because 
I think I think that Marvin Bagley Buddy Heal package could definitely become available by the trade deadline, um, and they could look to shop that around more aggressively. And um, for a team that I picked as like dark horse hot take finals appearance, uh, the Mavericks are not super hot to start the season. Um, other they're five and three, so actually they've they've they've, they've they're better now than they were. I think they they might have started two and three. So are they on a three game win streak? I'm gonna double check that. Um, lastly, before we move on to surprising teams, uh, Zion Williamson has just started practicing. He's a, he's a hefty boy. Um, we'll (laughs) leave it at that. Uh, and James Wiseman, uh, hasn't played since April with a torn meniscus, but he's just cleared to play, uh, very recently. Hopefully he can get some run with the Warriors, uh, either boost his trade stock or actually, you know, contribute because, you know, they could use a center that's, you know, not just average, um, and I think James Wiseman was asked to do a lot last year, uh, whereas most rookies were just asked like, "Hey, go out, make your mistakes, or whatever." But James Wiseman was in a was in a somewhat winning environment or a team that wanted to win, and so he was asked to do a little bit more. And that's really hard as a big man, a young big man coming into the league. So hopefully he comes back, uh, he gets more into the rhythm of things, and I think he can he can surprise some people. Here's where we test the Warriors' theory about. I, I talked a little about this last episode, the Warriors theory of like, we want to be Spurs type, like championship contender for 25 years straight or like 20 years straight in the, in the Spurs case. But like the Warriors are trying to, are trying to make the transition now from this clay Draymond Steph era to uh, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman era. We'll see if they can pull it off. I'm not super optimistic on those second three right now. Um, But I think it's going to be really, really tricky to, to try to develop those guys and give them opportunities on a team that right now is six and one, and Steph Curry is looking like the favorite for MVP. Um, it, it, best of luck to Steve Kerr because, like, that's that's a that's a real that's a real challenge. Um, if anybody can pull it off, you know, you would think it would be like the Warriors, the Warriors franchise because they've done an excellent job over the last however many years. But that's that's a challenge, and I think that sort of starts as James Wiseman is returning from injury. Um, how do they balance that? Interesting let's, case. Let's move on to, let's move on to surprising teams. We have a few that I want to cover um, mainly for good reasons. There is one team on here for a bad reason. The first team that I want to cover might be biased as a, as a, a Georgetown kid, but the, the Washington <laughs> wizards are like six and one or something. I think they might Five maybe and six. Two, and, no, I think, uh, Leave. We're, we're going to the now. chip. We're they, going to the chip. They were five and one. They're five and three now. I mean, I mean so, so were the but, Knicks. But yeah, you know, dude, I'm, I'm going to the game on Sunday. I'm going to the to the game versus the versus the Milwaukee Bucks, the mm-hmm. reigning champs versus the the future champs, basically. Uh, I like the sound of that. So I mean, I think I think the the obvious thing to talk about here is the guys that they got in exchange for for Russell Westbrook, namely Montrezl Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, Catavius Caldwell Pope. Um, I don't know. It, it doesn't look great. It doesn't look great for Westbrook that they started off the season really hot. Let, let me not Dude, lie. Why does this keep let happening? Me let me not lie. Why, yeah. why does this keep happening, bro? It also, though, I think is a testament to the importance of depth in the regular season because the, the Wizards were not a deep team last year. And this year they have a lot of a lot, a lot more depth at the forward spots of like like guys that are actually like good rotational players. Kyle Kuzma having what I would call a bounce back year for, for sure. I mean, I have to look up what his rebounding stats are 
right now, but they were like 12 rebounds per game at one point. Um, he's averaging 14 and 10 right now, basically. Um, not shooting the best, but but Kyle Kuzma's like 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 I said, like he's a legit rotational piece. Montrose Harrell was second in the basketball reference MVP ladder for like the first three games of the season. People um, keep referencing that, and it's so funny because <laughs> it's so out of context. Like what? He's he's been he's been legit, and 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 the Warriors or sorry, the Wizards are really letting him run free the way that um, the we Lakers did not the, exactly. I, I don't I don't know why the Lakers just just kind of contained him. It never really made any it's sense. To me. He just didn't he just didn't seem like a factor. At all. It's 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 a it's everybody everybody and I I don't mean this is a bad thing but but everybody who plays with LeBron has to has to accommodate the LeBron system. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that like you know like they, they, people have existed on LeBron's teams who are you know like energetic players. It, it's not like it's not like Montrez Harrell is like this alpha on offense. It just he kind of just you know plays hard. I feel like he just didn't really get that many minutes near the end. Yeah, yeah. But but if we're talking about like containing a player like. You have to be, you have to you have to fit into a very specific role to play alongside LeBron, which I don't think that Montrezl Harrell exactly did. He's a very unconventional guy, undersized and just like basically straight energy hustle. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know, like not a ton of. But but anyways, the the, the trend yeah. we're seeing here with most of the teams on this surprising list is that if you add depth, that leads to regular season success. Mm-hmm. Now in the playoffs, it's more strategic to just have a bunch of top guys um, to where your your best five is better than the opponent's best five. But a lot of these teams on this list have really deep benches that have a lot of guys who can make basketball plays. That's what we saw with the Hawks last year in the playoffs and why they made it so far. Um, the one team that actually doesn't really have good depth, but is on this list is the Chicago Bulls. Um, mm-hmm. Their bench is not really good at all. Um, it's kind of just Alex Crusoe out here making money moves and every, and everyone else is just like a, like a doing the bare minimum for I would whatever reason. It's depth of shot creation though, because they're able to run staggered lineups where you always have pretty much one of Zach Levine and DeMar, DeMar DeRozan on the court. So yeah, you run, you run a lot of, of pick and of pick and roll, pick and pop heavy lineups with, Zach Levine and, and Nikola Vucevic, which is really strong. And then DeMar DeRozan, who has shown for years now that he's capable of being the go-to scorer on a decent team, right? He's just a straight up floor raiser um, as, as like the, as like not necessarily the second unit, but like when those guys are off the court, DeMar DeRozan is more than capable of keeping the team afloat. Yeah. And so that's true. Uh, another team that we were gushing over uh, mm-hmm. as we are getting ready to hit record is the Miami well, Heat. I was gonna say let me let me let me say a couple more things about so like going back to the the Wizards Spencer Dinwiddie we didn't talk about sick the the Bulls another thing is they're fifth in diff in defensive rating right now like everybody knew the Bulls I think were going to be a solid offensive team fifth in defensive rating at least for me is like out of nowhere I don't think necessarily they'll, yeah, they'll maintain that but if the Bulls maintain a top ten defensive rating top you know yeah top ten defensive rating like their offense is. I would say almost definitely going to be top 10 in offensive rating. Um, so if, if you're top 10 in both offensive and defensive rating, that's a recipe for a pretty high seed home court advantage in the playoffs, potentially even kind of seed um, for the Chicago Bulls. We'll see. But like the, the, the advanced analytics right now also say that like they're good on both sides of the floor, not just on offense. So that's probably largely Lonzo ball, but like they're good on defense. As you're saying, Miami heat, 
dude, my dude, the Miami Heat, like they're fully the best team in the league right now in terms Absolutely. of just performance. They are. We were talking. We were going through the advanced metrics before the stat. Uh, if you're talking about offensive rating, defensive rating, SRS, which is simple rating system, net points, uh, anything per 100 or per 36, uh, effective field goal percentage, they're top three in all of those. Yeah. They're top three shout in out, every metric. Shout out to Clean the Glass, which is which is a great site for for all of this stuff. But like it, for when free throws are down, like Jimmy Butler is getting a hell of free throws right now still. Um, they're second in free throw rate. They're second in defensive in defensive effective field goal percentage, holding teams to bad shooting. Um, they're, I think, another, another really important one is they're first in points per 100 possessions and first in opponent points per 100 possessions. I don't have their pace on here. Their pace is ridiculously high whenever Kyle Lowry's on the floor. So if you're looking at Kyle Lowry's numbers and being like, dang, Kyle Lowry's not playing that well, like their on-off numbers in terms of pace with Kyle Lowry on the floor are crazy. Dude's just running the offense like a machine um, and, and and just like like making everything go. Like we knew their defense could it, it's the opposite of the Bulls. Like the Bulls, we knew their offense was gonna be solid, their defense was a big question mark. The Miami Heat, we knew their defense was gonna be impossible to score on, but I think their offense, you know, and this is partially Tyler Hero, this is partially Kyle Lowry, not so much with the scoring, but his ability to facilitate and get others guys involved. Jimmy Butler just being a monster so far has been sick. Their offense has been sick. Yeah, it's and they maybe defense leading to offense, but the Bulls are or sorry, the Heat are are on a roll right now. Um, the the next team that has surprised most people is the Golden State Warriors. I feel like it's 2016 again in terms of you have Steph Curry being one of the three best players in the league, and then you actually have role players around him to where you can't just triple team him. You actually could triple team him a little bit uh, mm-hmm. this year. I forget who they, who they were playing. It might have been the Raptors, but I'm, I don't hold me to that. And they they were just like fully double teaming Steph Curry every possession. And Steph Curry would pass the ball and the and the dudes would miss the shots. But eventually, uh, because they were down most of the game because the dudes were just missing the shots. And Steph Curry's like, I, I'm not going to chuck up like like, a you know, a 30 footer like he did once or twice, but he's not going to do it for the, the entire game. And so eventually the guys just started making shots, like making, you know, basic basketball plays, uh, which was not true last year. Last year, they just didn't even have like, you know, baseline role players to do their thing. And this year, when you look at Jordan Poole, you look at the elevation of Damian Lee and Juan Toscano Anderson, uh, Andre Udala, even Andrew Wiggins is, is even better than he was last year. All those dudes are just like better versions of what they had last year to where they're, they're making guys play pay and Steph Curry's still being Steph Curry. So this does look a little bit like 2016. I'm not going to say they're going to go 73 and nine or whatever. That's definitely not going to happen, but I'm feeling very confident in my uh, Warriors being a top four seed pick. And I'm very confident in my Steph Curry for MVP pick as of right now, because if, yeah. if, if the former is true, then I think the latter will be true. Yeah, I agreed. And I think one thing that you, that you, that you managed to go through probably a minute tangent without without mentioning is clay thompson is like probably at this point a couple weeks away from his return um there was, yeah. there was videos last night maybe even less there was videos last night of him of him warming up on the court um in like full uniform that's gonna be that's gonna be exciting and, and the league has to watch out um the warriors the warriors have surprised me not only with with how quickly clay thompson is return is is like gonna make his return um but like you said like 
what a well-oiled machine they look like right now. Um, Dude, I'm I was so hesitant, pumped. But the the, the last like people forget like the last time Steph Curry and Clay Thompson were on the same court together it's in the finals was in the was in the 2019 finals like yeah that like that's serious like that in terms of like mm-hmm. the, it's not like oh sometimes they're good with each other and sometimes they're not like no they've just like they've just never lost when they're together and so yeah. either we'll see that for the first time or they're gonna be really freaking good and i hope it's the second one no the 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 warriors right now like if you were to pick a favorite coming out of the west seven games into the season for them it looks like them. I'm, I, I'll be honest. It looks like them. Um, and, and that's a, I, I'm not necessarily picking them, but I'm saying, just just saying, just saying. If you if you're if you're going to overreact to the first seven seven games of the season for them, that's that's what you're thinking. Um, number one I want to talk about is Boston is the Boston Celtics. This one is less positive than the other ones. Um, particularly, I mean, their their record is uh, is three and five, which is obviously poor. Um, but, but the real reason that I'm bringing them up specifically, um, is the Marcus smart post-game interview. Um, because I, I, they, they got in a couple, they've been a couple like really close double overtime games. I think they had two double overtime games. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then this Marcus smart interview at the end of, at the end of one, their, their like second most recent game. I'm pretty sure he said something along the lines of like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown want to shoot at the end of games. But every team in the league is game planning for that and daring them to pass. And right now they're not willing to pass. Not I, he's I, not wrong, but that's that's something bold to say about your teammates. Yeah. And, and and that's like clearly Marcus Smart was thinking this for a while mm-hmm. before he, you know, came out and, and, and said it to the media. But also I think I dude, I kind of, I kind of hate like the NBA media, like the the post on ESPN and Bleach Report and all that was just a picture of Marcus Smart with the caption, "They don't want to pass me the ball." That w- is not the whole interview. The whole interview, yeah. like before the quote and after the quote, Marcus Smart literally says, "Like there are two best players, and they've been great for us, but you know they just have to, they have to expand their games." Uh, to pass the ball. And right now they don't really want to pass me the ball, but we're going to work on that with them. It, it wasn't, it wasn't a point the finger. It was a, uh, these are my teammates and we're, and we're going to, and I agree like that. It still is indicative that, you know, Marcus Smart like feels like there needs to be a change. And on top of that, to be fair, apparently according to Adrian Wojnarowski, that the, that the morning after they had like a, they had a, a full team meeting and that was actually unproductive. Like there was an, there wasn't, and I don't know what unproductive means, but you know, they didn't have a kumbaya. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think that there's full tor- turmoil uh, in, in the locker room. I don't, I wouldn't say it's a great environment if you're looking at all 30 NBA teams, but I, I don't think like Marcus smart, like hates Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown by any means. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. But like you said, like he'd probably been thinking, you said he, he'd probably been thinking it for a while. I think that whenever you hear statements like this that get sent to the media, that's indicative of tension because in a functional organization, it's not supposed to be that's not supposed to be something that's said to the media. That's supposed to be something that's said within the locker room to those guys. Like Marcus the, the right approach by Marcus Smart is to go up to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, like one on the two of them, and be like, Hey guys, like here's what I'm here's what I'm seeing and here's what I think we need to fix. Um, not to not to go to the media. And 
necessarily he, that's not necessarily saying that he went to the media first. Um, but I think you have to cross a bunch of lines first before you get to that point, because that's a pretty dramatic, serious reaction to be like saying that to the world in a post game interview of like, I don't like that, that they're not passing the ball at the end of games. Um, part of the reason I also think this is significant is like, you know, when the starting lineup of the Boston Celtics was Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, like uh, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, you would never have guessed that this was going to be the situation, you know, like three years down the line or whatever it is. Yeah. So crazy. That's just, that's just crazy to me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Sucks strange to, to see. Uh... Mixed late. Mixed here late. We're a Mixed tape. Bing bong. Yeah. Bing bong. Uh, speaking of Nick's tape, uh, really quickly, yeah. uh, I wouldn't call them, surprising per se anymore because they're five and three and they're not five and one anymore. Mm. Uh, and the two teams we lost to, I believe the Raptors and then the Pacers like are good teams, but they're not great teams by any means. The Pacers have been bad though. Yeah. Like but like the Pacers I, aren't I, bad, I but they've been bad. Yeah. But yeah, three and I don't, six. good, good, just good distinction. I think the Pacers will actually turn it around and be like a 500 team this year, but specifically with the Knicks, uh, Interesting thing, they last year they were like 20th in offense and like third in defense. This year, according to basketball reference, like per 100, they're third in offensive rating and 26th in defense, which is alarming. Thanks. And I I don't know what to make of that, not going to lie. Uh like maybe maybe losing Alfred Payton was just the the biggest <laughs> mistake we we could have ever made. Uh, maybe it's just like the lack of Nerlens Noel. Uh, I I'm not really sure. I think I think we'll get it together and be like definitely a top 15 defense. I also think our offense will you know calm down a little bit. Uh, I don't really have that much else to say with this, but on the whole, like I think a little surprising in a good way because a lot of people had us as like the eight or the nine seed, and I don't think that's true. I think we're probably gonna be six, maybe five. Uh, and so, you know, good for us. Yeah. Um, I, I guess this is, this is the same thing I've been saying is like the Knicks added talent from last year. So I don't know why people were, were, were down on us. Like we are a better team than we were last year. I don't know why the, the outlook was sort of negative. And I, I mean, I, th- I guess I do. I think, I think I do know it's that we lost in the first round, but um, two Hawks team that wasn't supposed to be way better than us. But I think as far as like being a regular season team, like the Knicks are hella good. Um, our, our guys are still getting better. We, we've we've added some some shot creations of shooting in the backcourt. Like, I'm optimistic. I think we're gonna have another really good regular season and potentially lose in the first round again. But like, the Knicks are fun. The culture is good right now. So like, as long as we keep that up, like I I'm not super surprised either way by anything except like RJ Barrett's a lot better defensively than I thought he was gonna be, and he's had a really good recent stretch after starting off the season slow. Uh, not much else has been like super shocking to the Knicks about me. I think we're just solid. The defense actually yeah. is worse than I thought, but I'm I'm yeah. confident, like you said, that Tibbs will turn that around. Um, last surprising thing is without Ben Simmons and with Joel Embiid missing one game, which they won, uh, the 76ers have the best offense in the league, according to offensive rating. And that is mainly due, like, and, like Joel Embiid's numbers are down as well. And yeah. like you see, like with a with a different team, like the Trailblazers, when their best player is having a slump, they haven't been that good. Whereas the 76ers, they're six and two right now. 
and Seth Curry is doing his best imitation of his brother right now. He's averaging 17 points per game on 54% from three and 61% from the field. Yeah. Which is insane. Uh, So I just wanted to plug that as like our last thing is Seth Curry is just, you know, out here being a beast and I I, I got him for basically nothing. Yeah. I had the, I had the, the 76 are still being third in the East and like my, preseason like like rankings for like the end of season standings uh i do think it's it's like like this was the best team in the east last year so i don't think expecting them to totally fall off even though they're losing in an all-star uh makes makes some sense like they've still got one like a top top 10 guy in the nba so like they're he's dominant and and like the rest of the team is solid around him like they're gonna keep being they're gonna keep being good i think maybe they don't stay at this like six and two pace but they're still going to be towards the top of the east i would guess and it'll be interesting to see what happens with ben simmons apparently daryl morey reached out to him asking again if he would come back and he said um he stuck with his answer of like i'm not mentally there yet so whatever the saga continues We'll see. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space Floor NBA Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so subscribe there. I'll follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And thank you so much. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace. Shout, shout out to Ojin and Obi. Shout out to Zion Williamson and his lipids. <laughs>